next guest says that the recent hurricanes, earthquakes, and enormous natural disasters in the United States, Mexico, Puerto Rico, and Caribbean is the real story for short-term and long-term. Back with us is Lori Cammy, Managing Director at Hightower's LCK Wealth Management Office. Uh, you're in New York. Yes. And now you're in our Bloomberg 1130 studio. Welcome back. Well, thank you, Carol nice, and Corey. Nice to have you here. I, I do think we are all trying to assess what impact um, the disasters initially, maybe in the short term, negatively, how they will impact things, and then maybe positively in the medium term as the rebuild begins. How do you see it? Well, there are two factors to consider. One is how much money will businesses get back from insurance, and how will that affect the insurance industry? Because the expectation of a rebuild in a city like Houston or in Florida versus uh, the earthquakes in Mexico um, has a, a large impact on who can rebuild. When we're talking about the retail industries that have already suffered from online, when we talk about the energy industries where recounts have come off, there are still hurricanes going on, uh, they may have business interruption insurance, but if the small business person doesn't have the money to rebuild their home, they're not going to spend. I think we'll have a a small percentage drop in the third quarter numbers and a, a, a percentage or so drop in the fall fourth quarter numbers. It'll be interesting to see how it predicts for travel and spending on the consumer and the business side. Yeah, it's uh, and in terms of sort of lasting effect, what about things like like tourism and 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 you know those 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 businesses where the this the memory of the of the natural disaster starts to affect future business. Um, I think people will just find other places to go, and then it shifts what kind of entertainment or travel you're willing to do. Um, where I really think there's a lasting effect is that investors are becoming more conscientious about what sustainable practices. What um, good governance is done in the boardroom to put into policies that will cause a better future, new technology, new innovation, uh, to help um, new products in agriculture and new energy sources, to name a few. What are you seeing specifically? And I ask that because you and I were talking before we got going that you know, go back a few years and people will be like, huh, we're going green. And that was a big deal. And it was showing that a company was forward. And it seemed like a lot more talk than actual action. And now today you feel like companies really do think about sustainability and they put initiatives in place. So when you talk about the focus on climate change and technology with innovation and solutions, you know, what does that mean then in terms of maybe the types of companies and services are out there and how this becomes, uh, in terms of a socially conscious investing mode, more viable? Well, a, an easy example looking backwards where many people didn't want to invest in Walmart because their poor pay and labor practices was a red flag. Or it, was it wasn't just, a red flag, it was a reality, right? Yes. Um, uh, but and Or the no guns um, and no tobacco right. or the religious. Um, uh, today, you'll see companies like Starbucks using uh, recyclable materials. Um, you'll see shopping bags that are reusable. Um, you'll see plastic manufacturers trying to take out um, chemicals that are harmful. So the companies that play into that, it's, it's, there's more and more demand for those types of items. There's more demand for the items, and there's a 
ton amount of private investment going on looking for uh, electric cars, um, cleaner fuels, and buildings that will use those products. Where is that money coming from? I mean, what, is, it, is, it, is it sort of mandated by some endowments and things like that? It, it started top-down um, with um, universities, non-for-profits, and now it's bottom-up from individual investors. Uh, there was a cover story in Barron's about uh, 37 mutual funds that mm-hmm. have sustainable criteria or social governance criteria, and they wouldn't have owned the last three disasters, Equifax or Volkswagen. That's really eye-opening, and it was because the criteria weeded out poor management. Poor management. How, How do they measure poor yeah, management? Exactly. <laughs> it read my mind, Johnson. Um, in the case of Equifax, the average board member was on the board for 25 years. That was considered Speaking poor management. Speaking of red flags, that's a red flag? Yes. What, what other things, what other criteria do, do these kinds of um, uh, ESG, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, investors, what other kind of criteria do they focus on? Each one is different, and so there has to be a narrowing down of the criteria. Um, So some of them will be uh, natural resource criteria and funds that are too narrowly focused. Others will be more broad-based, so as how many... um, how diverse is the senior management or the policies for hiring? Um, So can I ask you something? Why is it that... There are tons of studies out there that have been for years that talk about the importance of diverse management, especially in senior roles, or having a diverse board ends up in a company that has better performing financials, and yet we still don't have diverse boards. So what is it? I don't get that. Shouldn't there be a shareholder suit saying, hey, you're not really doing the best thing for the company by having a non-diverse board? Well, You're absolutely right, and it's coming slowly, but I'll give you a couple of statistics to give you hope. In the last two years, um, individual and institutional investors have poured $8.7 trillion in the United States and $25 trillion globally, more away from the United States than in the United States, with criteria such as that. So uh, boards will wake up. Their stock price won't go up if you're weeded out for those types of criteria. Um, Passive index investing Mm -hmm. doesn't use those criteria, and that is a counterbalance. So the more people just automatically buy an index, then it takes away from that. But the growth is there. Uh, It's it's interesting, too. Uh, uh, I I, I sort of wonder about... Um, the the groups that are investors, the pensions and endowments and so on. Like there's obviously individual demand for people who want their money to do good while it does well. But uh, you know when when there's big pressure, I would think on on endowments and and uh, and even pensions to to make uh, some percentage of their money go towards socially responsible investing. Then then you start to see, I think, a, a sea change. Um, I, I just want to mention two things when you talk about the digital economy. The digital- just got about forty seconds. So yeah. The digital economy, new technology, robotics, new energy, diminishing water supply, water as an investment. There are a lot of exciting things that will be very profitable as they come to fruition. Is there one single idea in this world that, uh, in terms of ESG that you find where there's a lot of momentum all of a sudden, just kind of quickly? Um, I think there's a lot of momentum more on the environment and sustainability mm-hmm. than on governance at this point. 
All right, nice to get some time with you. Fun discussion. Lori Cami is uh, Managing Director at Hightower's LCK Wealth Management, based in New York, joining us in our Bloomberg 1130 studio on this Wednesday afternoon. Corey Johnson in our Bloomberg 960 studio in San Francisco. I'm Carol Masser in our Bloomberg 1130 studio in New York City. A check on trading in just a moment right here on Bloomberg 1130.